Welcome back to another incredible episode of the Missing Triggers podcast. Um, hey, Sebastian, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, Kyle. How are you? God, man, it, this is like the the second time we're doing this, third time we're doing this intro, and I'm, I'm you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get it right one of these days. Yeah. Um, before we get into any meat and potatoes of anything. We appreciate you guys clicking on our video, wanting to listen to our podcast, um, or if you're on Spotify, we also appreciate you over there. Um, links in the description for YouTube if you've ever wanted to you know, listen on the go. Um, we have our Spotify link down below. And also on top of that, too, we have uh, a Patreon link. Now, it's literally just a kind of use it as a donation link right now. Um, we're looking at ways to try to, you know, Get a little bit of income so we can get our equipment together to have a setup. Um, if if you guys are familiar with Funder, with Tall Timmy and um, and Fluke and Box, shout out to those fine gentlemen. Um, we want something like that. That's that's been our goal. And um, you know, hopefully, if, if if you guys feel generous enough and you want to um, help us proceed in our endeavor of doing the Missing Triggers podcast, head over there to, pay, to Patreon. We're gonna have just like a donation link of like a dollar, or if you wanted to pledge your own specific amount, that'd be cool. Um, no pressure, don't have to do it, but it is there just in case uh, you know you want to. So something else that we wanted to get into. Um, was yes. you know the, the the plans what we what we're going to be doing with this YouTube channel, um, because I think for some some reason you just there was a light lit under you and you're just you're in you're in go mode with this content stuff and you know wanting to do this stuff and and I'm all for it obviously, um, you know tell 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 the people kind of what your idea was that we're gonna start doing on the channel as far as uh content. Um, soon, once I get a little bit better of equipment, um, I'm going to start making videos and showcasing, so, casing, sorry, Flesh and Blood Online, and just gameplay and kind of like what they have in other games. If you ever seen, like, the channel Fireball, like, Reduke, or, um, if you watch, if you're a Pokemon fan, Tricky Gym, just, there's a lot of hot, like, Flesh and Blood, we really haven't had this opportunity to have a software where you can just play it, not really communicate with your opponent, which usually it's better to play, you know, on a software where there's more communication because it um, embodiments the actual game. But for content creating purposes, Flesh and Blood Online is perfect because you can play a game with your opponent. It's automated. You can, um, you know... If we do decide to live stream at some point, we can read the chat, talk about plays, and that's the whole point of it is um, basically either going live or recording some good gameplay, doing a deck profile on it, having a sideboard, and just giving people you know a nice little piece of competitive content to look at and just watch, honestly. And I feel like that's something that was missing in Flesh and Blood because with TTS... Um, you have the problem of both people have to talk to each other, have to talk about the game. It's kind of hard to, you know, read a chat or really, you know, watch a game and have the person who's playing the deck talk out their plays. Um, recently, I I played Magic for a little bit recently, and um, it was very helpful just trying to learn and establish 
some some pointers in the game was watching people doing live streams and then them going, well, I can take this line of play or I can take this line of play. And if my opponent reacts like this, I can do that. I just feel like that's a, a very helpful piece of content in any card game. And I feel like now with Flesh and Blood Online, that's possible. And that kind of goes into the whole like Patreon thing, possibly in the future. Um, we'll get really in-depth with these sideboard guides and continuously update the decks and maybe offer some coaching or something like that. So just just plans and stuff to come. For sure, for sure. And I think uh, you know, I, th- I think that's something that is untapped in this game, like you said. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you you do. And then obviously, obviously, I'm, I'll be along there with you and we'll – We'll tackle that beast together. Um, but before we get into our main topic, um, our first talk topic, and the title of this episode, um, you know, if you guys don't mind, consider clicking clicking subscribe um, on the YouTube channel. Our first goal is 100 subscribers, and we're at 58 right now. So um, a subscription would mean the world to us, to helping us grow. And um, and yeah, and um, also on top of this, before uh, before we even get into the first topic, leave a comment down below on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. Um, um, what your initial thoughts are on Flesh and Blood Online, and if you think it's going to help grow the game, and you know in, any any sort of feedback in, in regards to Flesh and Blood Online. I know they're really wanting to get all their criticism and all their pointers and everything from the community, so they can help grow that to be something insane. So, um, without you know, without further ado, let's let's talk about some Flesh and Blood Online because this has been the hot topic for the last week, week and a half, um, two weeks, just about. So. Um, yeah. So pretty much Flesh and Blood Online is a client that uh you know just came out and like Sebastian said just you know just a couple minutes ago um it's a little more automated and uh you don't have to talk to your opponent and it's kind of like other card game uh, online clients such as Matt, uh, MTGO and Dueling Book for Yu-Gi-Oh and um, and I think this is going to take you know flesh and blood to the next level as far as testing goes and as far as um, you know a lot of information. Um, yeah, and I think what people are missing here is this is actually the best thing that's ever happened for the you know standalone casual uh i wouldn't say casual player but the person who's like i want to get better at my game i'm not on a team i'm not super competitive i just want to get you know decent and just jam games and get their reps yeah get the reps right and it's really good because you can't misplay Uh, you can misplay of course by playing your cards wrong but you're learning the interactions as they're happening because you can't like you know mess up an interaction or something like that and um, this is great because, like, I feel like basically teams already had this advantage, right? Uh, when you have four or five people or six people that can just continuously play with each other, that are comfortable with with each other, right? Um, but for so uh, more casual person, they kind of had to like you know go into the sea of um the main fab Discord and go, anyone wanna catch a game right <laughs> and yeah. hope that you know someone with decent skills was going to actually play them for sure for sure and this this cuts out a lot of steps in that exactly um, yep so i i think i think this is a huge step in the right direction for flesh and blood in general um i see a lot of people on twitter talking about it and making it a big deal 
And when you have, you know, people in the likes of like Tarek Patel and you have Brendan Patrick and you have, um, you know, all these content creators talking about, you know, flesh and blood online, it's, it's, it's bound, it's bound to, to make, to make a, to make an impact. Um, we did see, um, we, we did see one counter, uh, one point that a few people were making about the, the percentage and data points that it, it gives for, um, you know, for each match in the deck that you play, if you want to elaborate on that, what was that conversation like and kind of what were you, uh, were you thinking about this particular topic on the percentage and data points? Um, essentially with the flesh and blood, uh, their deck builder, the devs deck builder, it's February, right? February. Um, Yeah. 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 Uh, kind of a tongue twister <laughs> but uh essentially once you build a deck on there and play it it gives you so many percentage points uh i personally haven't done it but i've seen other people talk about it i know you built a deck on there but um mm-hmm. it gives you percentage points and everything and even after a game if you're just using a fab db link it gives you you know how much damage did you deal this that it, it's just a lot of data and basically people were saying they don't want a set to drop, and within two weeks, at the meta solved. Like, okay, yep, got this. Uh, everyone knows this is the best deck, and now everyone just plays the best deck, or you know, the deck to beat the best deck. And now you create a, you know, a one deck format or something to that regards. And they just don't want the metas to be solved too quickly and not have these organic moments like, um, kind of like the matt folks with the briar situation um both times actually (laughs) oh wow yeah Yeah. it really was two times two times with the briar um you know meaning at uk nats last year he brought briar lightning briar that he worked on with Tariq patel and it was just insane it fucking warped the entire format yeah it warped the u.s nationals meta so hard it was actually ridiculous like actually put it like it yeah <laughs> i don't want to remember that go yeah. ahead <laughs> and then with this one belittle into briar um and i would say even back another organic moment we can kind of think about is like pro, pro tour? tour new jersey yeah pro tour new jersey where you had a combo kano come up that was yep. a nice little organic moment deck that these people tested and then i would say even with vegas with uh Tyler Horsepool's Prism deck that nobody knew what was going on. Hell, even your even your chain deck, right? Like, shout out to Alex for like doubling down on that, like with the tremors and the razors and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And for sure, the deck I piloted that people weren't expecting. So people worry that these moments where like these really cool decks and nobody was expecting come into the meta and they just start tearing up. I will be honest. I kind of agree with that for a multitude of reasons. My main, my, my main point, and this is this is kind of like what I always think about as far as um, viewership, audience, and stuff. Um, I when when I'm viewing a tournament, if I'm not at this particular calling and it's being streamed, I I want that. Um, I want that josh lau triple lumina moment i want like i want these out of left field um moments in the game where it's going to get people talking 
That's exactly. the number exactly. one thing you want is to keep people engaged. And if we know for a fact that let, let's just, for example, let's say that flesh and blood online has been around for like three months, two months. And Matt folks has played the little briar deck a fuck ton. And then everybody's like, Oh, well we all know the little briar is going to be a thing. What we saw in top eight of the pro tour in like Singapore, for example, is going to be the norm in every... It's going to be like Star of Emet all over again, where everybody's yeah. going to be playing like that deck. And that's not that's not okay for in a viewer standpoint, which I think that's where you want this game to, to grow, is the viewership, because people are going to play this game. There's no doubt about it. You want, you want to keep the viewers engaged and keep them seeing new things instead of the same old shit every single, every single round, just about. You know, so I I firmly agree with the organic moment side of things, um, and it's it's no fun just having a for a soft format. Um, you know, no. a couple weeks into a set being released, it's that's not I, fun. I agree with you uh, to the most extent there, but uh, basically, kind of like what I said at the beginning, with like it, it gives the power to the more you know. Um, semi-competitive player who like i said it's not on a team but they are competitive they are going to the callings and stuff like that mm-hmm. and they just want to do well um basically kind of like as we were talking about right like because you know we're on a team we were able to discover the the tremors chain a little bit easier because you know, i was already playing one razor with flock and that was the whole thing <laughs> and then you know if we weren't on the team and testing all together none of us would have thought of that on, on their own yeah but but it's kind of even though there's less organic moments like that there was already a certain point where people would solve the meta and then just keep it on the hush hush um i mean yeah like yeah, I mean that's kind of what I think happened with the Lightning Briar deck last year. Exactly, and um, it's just kind of like, do we want, do we want these these things to be known? Yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm okay with them being known. Still gotta beat me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I I agree. Um, for for anybody you know wanting a link to Flesh and Blood Online. Um, I'm gonna link. Uh, I'm gonna link their the website in February in the description below for the YouTube channel. If you guys want to check it out yourself, I'll actually leave their Twitter and I think they. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll leave all that for you guys so you guys can also check out what they're doing and see their mission um, because I I do think this is a uh, I do think this is something that's going to be uh, pretty pre- pretty big in the in the very near future. Um, one thing that I actually wanted want to see, and I think they can actually integrate it, and it'd be pretty neat. Um, Brennan Brennan Patrick, I think, put on Twitter today something about um, you know like a ranked system or like a like a ratings or something like that. I think if they make like a like a I'm pretty sure we talked about it last week, right at the end when we kind of just mentioned it. We weren't fully discussing about it, but we, we mentioned it. We we might have. Um, I I would really like to see some sort of ranked ranked um playlist, in a sense where players can play for for Elo, and so you have an an on site Elo system 
with and and you have seasons for example and so like let's say a season's 30 days and so you know you can no prizing if you I mean if you want to do that that'd be sick but like no prize or anything but then players can kind of see where they stack up versus other people and the elo and um you know i i think i think that would be pretty sick i think yeah being able to grind towards something on flesh and blood online um I think it'd be very rewarding, and I think it would it would bring in a lot more a lot more traction to the website. And I think it'd bring a lot more traction to viewers, if, and also from what you're planning on doing, which is to be streaming it or being recording, testing decks and stuff, and making content out of it. That I mean, it puts something online for us. It's like okay, well, let's try to go five and zero and 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 rated for this particular season or whatever it is, and we make a series out of it. So like, there's so many different content aspects that obviously goes through my mind as far as you know something along those lines so um i would love to see you know in the future some sort of uh elo system and um like a ranked playlist and like a like a i guess a social playlist if we're gonna try to go off of like halo terms maybe um, yeah, yeah. plus it's like it's unranked and ranked because then you're playing against players with a similar skill level too exactly um, i mean exactly so it, like it helps in that regard too so i i agree full wholly agree um but yeah flesh and blood online fucking chef's kiss i think uh i think i think you're honest you guys are onto something here shout out to everyone working on that and um you know cheers to the future because i think it's going to be a like i said for the if it's not like a broken record it's going to be something fierce very soon i'm pretty sure so um you know with that being said let's talk about last weekend in pro tour lil because obviously you and i were the only two out of the group that wasn't able to go and so we we tried to watch what we could we could because the damn tournament started at four o'clock in the morning um yeah. so basically i stayed up for the um top eight yeah that's yeah, what i, I did i just pulled an all-nighter crazy um before we get into like top eight and like the meta breakdown for the top eight and stuff i do um i do want to state one thing lumina go boomina if anybody saw the first uh the first cc match um in swiss um josh actually was on it and that was to me that was like the coolest part of the weekend because yeah. the whole like this is this I mentioned it earlier. This is kind of like that organic moment we're talking about, where you have the uh, as as Flake calls him now the accountant. I think that's hilarious. Um, and so you, you've got Lumina Lumina Beacon of Victory game, and you can pay for gallantry gold. That's incredible. So, yeah. um, you know, seeing Josh seeing Josh do well. Um, and that feature match is pretty awesome. Getting his, getting his, uh, you know, his old time to shine for a moment at a big, at a bigger event. So, and you know, Twitter, Twitter went crazy and the chat went crazy once he was doing all that. So I know, I know that helped him a lot with, um, certain things and, um, I'm glad to see other people enjoy what he's doing because everybody in the chat was like, oh, well, this is that's the Fab 201 guy. <laughs> you know, that's that's the professor on Fab 201. And I thought that was one of the coolest things ever is, you know, the impact that he's making. And then obviously he gets to see he gets everybody to to watch him do what he preaches in his videos. Like that's that's neat. That's just neat to me. So, exactly. um so I think he ended up getting like 81st, which RIP, but with Bolton, that's, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So, um, sure. let's, let's go over the top eight because I'm pretty sure we were kind of right in a way. Um, we were wrong about the, the, the guardian 
Um, it seems like it seems like there was a lot of uh, prism gatekeeping. Here we are gatekeeping. Um, the guardian players and um, yeah, what happened was I think uh, I know for sure that the bud eating guy, right? That's the same with the Lexi deck. Um, then, no, that that's our local player, Easton Douglas. Oh, Easton Douglas. <laughs> yeah, Easton Douglas of Team uh, Ascent, the hometown TCG Ascent guys. Yeah, yep, there. Um, he got, I think he got gatekept last round. I believe that one of the prison players played him either the second to last round or the last round that kept him out of top eight. And then Michael Hamilton on Oldham got played Fino Black the last round, which got him out of top eight. Um, so, so Fino, we were Fino killed there. both of them then because Fino played him in the second to last round, the Lexi player. Oh, so literally, yeah. So, so Fino gatekept both of them. Exactly. <laughs> Um, um, that match was insane. If you guys can find that and go back and watch that Prism Lexi match was incredible. Like the score does not. I think it ended up like eleven to nothing at the final score or something like that. But that game was incredible. Shout out to Easton on that like on that hybrid Lexi list because that was really cool. Um, getting to see that deck. So but, we were almost there because we were like three to four control decks, four aggro decks, or I think I said five aggro decks, three control decks. I want to say I said something along those. I want to say I said something like that, too. So, like, it kind of makes sense. Like, I think the that Christian Hawk, I think, is the guy's name, the Dash player. Um, I want to say he was playing more of a traditional-ish type type Dash, um, where he can pivot between the two types of game plans. So, and you had two Prisms. So, we had the four Briar, one Vista Ride, two Prism, and a Dash. Um, And surprise, surprise, Briar was in each of four... each and all four of the uh, the quarterfinals, and what happened? They all fucking won. So, um, so kind of like quarterfinals matches go. I think they were all um, they all were pretty all great. good. Yeah, they were all great. Um, Briar versus the Dash. He fatigued him out. He stuck to his game plan of just blocking out, and that was very well done. Was that the um, game? Was that the game where he started Teclo Pounder instead of? Uh, yes. Instead of the what's the card I'm thinking of, the go again oh, item. I, yeah, um, I <laughs> can't think of it for the life of me. Induction chamber. Know. That's it. Chamber. There we go. God damn it. Um. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I want to say he went on Twitter and was like, "Wow, I think I punted that by not starting induction chamber, and I got greedy and went for Teclo Pounder, which, um, is possible. You never know. So, um, I hate that. You know, I wish Dash would have made a little bit farther. Honestly, because um, it could have taken yeah, out some of these briars, but I definitely think the calling Singapore people were, especially at that high, high level of top eight. They kind of targeted you know, it in a way. It kind of targets it in the way of like people know, kind of like Leviathan, right? You just block it out, and eventually it kills itself. Shout out to <laughs> you, you know, know it's who? like yep, um, <laughs> friendly banter so, by the way, everyone. Um, basically, the dash deck has to boost cards to get go again and to get resources off Teclo Founders. So it's like eventually, after like you know seven turns, they're just out of cards. Five turns, yeah. they're out of cards. They got all their blue cards, and then you're like, well, here we are. Then we saw the Fino Black. The next top eight was Fino Black um, against the other Briar, and yep. that was that was a match. You know, that was the um, game I didn't watch. That was one of the ones I wasn't able to watch. It was just a pretty back and forth Briar match. Um, I think he said he forgot to play an aura on turn. He he was supposed to double aura turn one, 
but he attacked and forgot that he didn't have go again. So he kind of fell behind already from the beginning. Classic Fino, wow. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> I punted, I punted again. Um, so other than that, I, I mean, even that, it's like you're at the Pro Tour, nerves are on, forget stuff. It's all good. We've all been there. We, we get um, it. Like, that's just the thing that happens, you know? Exactly. And then the next game was uh, Viserai, uh, Pablo Pintor. Dude, again. shout out to Pablo, man. That dude's killing it. He has to be, like, top three best players in the game. Like, I don't think you can... I don't think you can argue that, right? One Pro Tour, won the Blitz team calling into top eight of the Pro Tour. And top eight of the freaking Pro Tour. Like, fucking big dickin'. It's crazy. It's crazy. And uh, that was a crazy match there. Kind of like Pablo's deck, I don't think necessarily did the most it could. And then the Briar deck got Channel Mount on, and then had a funny moment there where briar bricked on channel mount kept it open a next turn but pablo's three card hand just wasn't enough it wasn't you know, it enough just wasn't there yeah. i think it, it might have been a four card hand honestly but like it just it was just too generic it he needed to present like i think 15 damage or something like that along those lines to so he needed like a rebel or a mortar tide rebel some kind of craziness like that and it just didn't happen which is okay um but overall, great game, great play from both players. And then the top eight match where this is your favorite match, I think, of top eight, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's I think it's my one of my favorite matches of all time, and really? that's including I that's including mine um, <laughs> in a top eight. So it's just like Matthew Folks, very good player versus uh, Ian. Ian and, Zang, um, shout out to Ian Zang's got a YouTube channel, Ian TCG. If you guys want to go check him out. And just Ian played it so perfectly. And the whole time, Matt Rogers is just like, yeah, this is what I would do here. And then he just does it. He's like, yeah, this is what. And I'm just like, this guy's just making the best move every single turn. And I I was actually upset that he didn't win. I I was really kind of like, I was like, damn, when you play that perfect and not to win, it just sucks. But that kind of just goes to show you that in Flesh and Blood, you can play perfect, and there still has to be a winner at the end of the day. Yeah. But it yeah. was just a beautifully piloted match. And um, top four, get into it. I know you saw some of top four, right? Uh, yeah, I, I did for the most part. It was just wishy-washy, briar, brain-dead stuff for the most part. Um, want to say it was Bartaz versus the Jacob guy, and then the other one was Matthew Folks versus Shamir. Um it seemed to me Matt Folks's deck was just just rearing in all gears that day. I mean, I don't think he whiffed on a Sonata. I think every single match he played, he hit literally what he needed on the Sonata. And it was just like, he's it, he's literally just destined to win this tournament. I, you know, I, like, didn't, I didn't see the top four. Um, I only saw a piece of his top four. But I know in top eight, I think he was three for three on Sonata. Yeah, I don't um, think he didn't whiff on a Sonata the entire top eight. I don't think. And then in finals, he was three for three on Sonata and got exactly what he okay. needed. Okay, okay, hold on, hold the fuck on. This man goes Sonata for three, and he he looks at his hand. He's got a channel mount Sonata, uh, two attacks. I think is what yeah. it was, or something along those lines. And he goes, "Wow, hmm, I need a blue. I need a blue Earth card here." I mean, granted, all his blue cards are Earth, um, but like I think most of them 
other than like I think Sotomar, I think is what he played in his deck too, are attacks. So like obviously there there is a chance that he's gonna hit it. But this man just goes Sonata non-attack, blue autumn's touch, blue autumn's touch. And you're like, oh. Well, this game just got crazy. And so yeah. then he's like channel mount attack. Or I think he attacked with his zero cost card and he flashed in the the channel mount with creepers if i'm not mistaken or something along those lines i can't remember exactly what it was but um but but then he was able to overall it was insane yeah i know like he there was no reason for him to lose if he was going to do that so you know um still mirrors are kind of mind-numbing to be honest yeah i mean like top four uh, i do want to say the one guy who got to top four who beat fino he he was playing a little briar deck but it's actually super different because it was like cheerios with not like cheerios but it's like the standard earth package but with belittle but not as consistent belittle like he's still playing like reg snatch arcanic crackle things like that um yeah. not arcanic crackle um the i'm gonna zero. pull up it i'm gonna pull up his list here let's uh, i'm gonna read it out for you he's playing three arcanic crackle three belittle three channel mount three e-strike two erase face two exude Two lead the charge, three lightning surge, three red minnowism, three nimbleism, two overload. Um, he played two unmovable as well. Um, you see what I mean? He's not he's not full onto that belittle plan with like yellow snatch and stuff like that. Yeah, he's no, he played it. he played two yellow belittle, three red belittle, but he had a lot of blues in his deck. He uh. Three or Thor Surge, of course. Uh, he had an Amulet of Earth in his deck, too. So, And then it seemed like a lot of people were playing this rounds on me. Um, do you happen to know the reason for that? Is it, like, just for the turn zero? It is. Um, I think it's literally just there, because you're like, okay, well, I was playing Sift, right? Which is, like, you know, filter two cards. Or on your... I, I think it's just, like, one of those cards It was kind of like Tome of the Arknight in Blitz during Viscerai meta. It's just like... Okay, well, if I get this on my channel mount turn, it's literally six damage. Yeah, and then I guess it also blocks four. It's a blue that blocks four um, with exactly. an embodiment, so it makes sense. Um, and, and like obviously, as you see in all these decks, um, if you guys have seen any of them, you know you'll see quite a bit of innovation within the Briar decks too, which is kind of neat. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. So it was really fun to see how that played out. The finals was super skillful. And overall, a great play, great tournament, and, um, you know, Iris sits at 842 <laughs> living legend points. Yeah, I want to say, uh, I want to say he's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, somebody said Briar needs to win four or five nationals around the world to li hit living legend. That's crazy. Because uh, for U.S. Nats, it's 80 points, and then for every Nats over 40 players? Uh, no, 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 sorry. It's uh, something like that. Over 48 players, every Nats is 40 points. And then every Nats under um, under 48 players is 20 points. So basically how it works is you're like 4 times 4 times 4. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not yeah. hard math to get. It's not no. very hard to get there at this point. Yeah. So 4 or 5 Nationals, and that that's donezo. Um. You know, spe speaking of, you know, the, um, I guess, living legend in a way, before we get into talking about that, um, let's talk about the winner of uh, The Calling, the pr Prism winning The Calling. That was, uh, that was pretty... Was taking beat, down Briars like he nothing? Beat all, he beat all three of his rounds were three Briars, and he beat all three of them. Like, yeah. what the actual hell? 
Uh, it was pretty neat. And and it won, and I said this, and then literally as I said this, maybe eight or nine different people I saw either in the chat or on Twitter were like, wow, Prism won in the most Prism way possible. Like flashing in a flashing in a merciful, you know, <laughs> just killing them. So um, oh, shout yeah. outs to the Viscera, or shout outs to the Briar player for, uh, for giving that game away, I feel like. I know, uh, dude, he set himself up five turns before. Um, basically, he put himself in a position when he didn't attack the Shimmers. Like, I was like, oh hey, my god. Yeah, that Shimmers got all the value plus some. It was wild. Yeah, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Dangerous. But, um, but yeah, dude, congrats to that guy. I mean, he was the guy who sent Prism over the over the top. That, that's a cool ass feeling, if you if if you ask me. So I mean that that's kind of kind of kind of crazy how it needed two points. Uh, apparently they didn't record two points, and then this guy is just like, "Yep, put a hundred on that." <laughs> Prism Gate twenty twenty two. Now they don't have to face the the nonsense and the backlash if they decided not to count it or whatever. So it's a win win exactly. for LSS. Yep. Dude, I kind of want to see that situation unfold, though. But I did too. I really did too. But you what's know, that's funny a... is they, <laughs> they didn't add the two points after the fact. By the way, it's still yeah, like a thousand. You know, a thousand. Yeah, it's, it's at the a thousand ninety eight or whatever. Yep. Whatever it is. It's like, okay. <laughs> Don't gotta worry about that. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Let's see. Um. You know, we're talking about you know, uh, the prism winning. It kind of brings up the discussion of what a lot of people have been talking about lately, and I think uh, I think it needs to be brought up is you know living legend, the living legend system, um, and I know you have some sort of you know um, thoughts on this. I think I do too. I think you and I actually kind of see eye to eye on this. Um, yeah. And, uh, first off, thanks to the patrons and the card guys chat and the people in there who are just in there in the general chat too for giving us these questions. Um, y'all are y'all are the I, fucking best for sure. They, they are. Um, I think all these, the rest of the podcast is basically just questions from them. So, and uh, they were, we were gonna make them talking points, but then it just kind of all got intertwined. So it all worked out. Um, yeah. Thoughts on living legend system. Basically, uh, the question was, how do we feel about the pacing of it? And I feel like the pacing is good in the case of like Prism, um, chain, right? A little over a year legal i think someone said both heroes had like over 400 days and um they were legal for a good while over a year and then they just kind of naturally won and won and won and got sent off right i think chain only won three events major events he won um the hong kong regionals he and pro tour uh, hong kong regionals and I think there might be one more other than that. No, I think it was just Matt Rogers and blitz with sealed, um, limited chain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think, you know, they kind of just, and then prism, you know, she's won like the, uh, a couple nationals. She's won a couple callings. So it just kind of was like a natural progression. I feel like that's kind of where I want it to be in the meta kind of shakes up every time a hero goes, I feel like that's good only thing is obviously points i i i would like it to maybe be a little bit farther i will say that maybe like a year and a half i am one thing that's kind of that kind of i guess 
and and you brought it up and we have it in our talking point here is um is you know how the system is now and how it's so reliant on like a on like a local meta game you know um whereas yeah, i could and, go to locals and have an impact on the entire game and yeah, yeah and here's a crazy thing that at number they always have to change that based on the player base right because if they put in more rtns then you have to decrease the number so it's ever changing but then if we ever see a dip in players maybe a deck that shouldn't be there stays around a little bit longer than it should be um because there's just like you know a drop tick in players for that format or something like that yeah, not a lot like star to that season. <laughs> yeah exactly speaking of that um just a side point note uh it heroes shouldn't be printed and then living legend in a hundred days like it should not be a balancing system. They should have banned Starvo or, you know, nerfed him significantly if that was the case. It would have been better you know? just to put a we made a mistake 2.0, honestly. Exactly, like that, yes. that, Yeah, so. It, it was awful. But yeah, go, <laughs> go on. <laughs> I I don't think they should be giving points to a nine-man RTN winner. Yeah, agree. Like Things like that. Like, I don't think that being able to win a nine-man RTN is... Uh, not hard. I guess is the word. Um, I I I don't know. It's granted, it is only four. Sure, like for for example, like Azalea, if it won like an RTN or something. Um, it's not like a lot. It, it's not a lot, but like even even if not like let's let's just for example say like in five format when when five and stubbies were it was a thing and there was nine people that tournament and stubby hammer is five one but it was nine registered players i don't think it deserves those points i think there needs to be a certain amount of players to even attain any it should be one living legend point you know what i mean like it would probably need to be the bare minimum um that kind of goes into the whole conversation of like I've heard uh, on Arsenal Pass, they said it should be percentage based because, uh, uh, you know, how much percentage day twos stuff like s- some kind of percentage, like how many does this win? How many RTNs does this hero win? Then we'll give it living legend points based on that. So then it's not sure. like we're saying, you know, oh, it should be one because there it's only a nine man RTN. Well, that shouldn't be a factor in how many people are there because it just shouldn't be awarded at the local level on a, you know, store by store who wins this store bases because then we also saw where if the store owner is you know kind of newer to fab or you know they kind of just somehow random stores will just get road to nationals that don't deserve them in certain stores will, and they'll just report wrong like prison they'll report right? wrong like yeah exactly like in that uh one in south carolina where they reported prism wrong and that is four points and she would have been living legend and and then it wouldn't even one will (laughs) yeah yeah it's 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 something to definitely address now do you think it could be better if they do something like at all premiere events you you dish out living legend points via top eight placing that's what we were talking about and um that's that's basically what we said I think I we both think at like at Pro Tour, right? If they just said every hero at Pro Tour is getting fifty points, so Briar still would have got fifty points, uh, two hundred, I mean, because you know, uh, fifty for each, yeah, fifty for each. Prism still would have got a hundred points. Uh, Dash would have got fifty. Viscera would have got fifty. I feel like that's fair. I 
um, in in Starvo format, let's just say callings are 25 points. Every time it topped data calling, it would have gotten 25, 50 points, whatever they would decide for the calculator to be. Because even though Starvo might not have won every calling or every event that he went to, he sure was most of the top eight. He was uh, <laughs> it was absurd. Exactly. And um, I saw a couple where it was you know, eight Starvo or like one Prism, eight Starvo, like one Viscera, seven Starvo, whatever it was. Yeah, and I think it's also kind of that thing. It's like certain heroes sometimes just can't get across the line to win. But does that mean you should play that hero because it it's almost guaranteed not to get living legend points, right? It's kind of like a kind of like Prism. Some some meta she's able to win. Some meta she was just not able to win. You're like for example, Dory, right? That's a hero right now that I'm like, yeah, we saw her get a top eight finish. She didn't get any living legend points, but can it ever really make it through? Like it can get top eight, but can it really navigate its way to a victory? And yeah. you kind of don't want to have heroes that are just like they never really receive living legend points because like you don't win a big event. Yep. Yep. For sure. It's a lot of. I mean, they could do so many different things with it. And um, the, I think it would help it. Yeah. And uh, another talking point we, I was like, maybe will be good or bad for the game. I think is how fast do they introduce talents and heroes back into the game? For example, like Prism. I think Dromai was on cue. They kind of knew Prism would be living legend around this time whether it be in a format or two from now or right as it came out like a format before they knew this would be around the time prism would rotate out right and i yeah. feel like that's why dromai was in the set to give them another but what if we have a meta where dromai is dominant and then there's no illusionist what do they do what what does the illusionist player do and there yeah. are people a lot of people like that who are like i stick to one class this is my favorite class. I am a expert or, you know, maybe they're more casual and they're just like, I just can't afford to do anything but this class and I still want to be competitive, but I just only want to stick to one class, which yep. is totally fine. But um, like with Chain right now, it's like, I understand I might not be getting support or a new hero in Dynasty for Shadow Runeblade, maybe not even in the next main set i'll even get a hero but by the time that not dynasty not the next main set but the next supplemental set after that rolls around i want a shadow room blade by then like i there needs to be some kind of product with a shadow room blade in it because i don't think you should have to wait more than a year to play with the cards that are is your favorite style for me yeah. it's a uh, Shadow Room Blade, I just like the banishing mechanic. I just like playing dredge style kinds of decks, and right now, other than Levia, I have no way to get my fix, and I just want to play with, you know, Ghostly Visit and Refine and Seeds of Agony again. And it's just yeah. like I think if you make people wait more than a year, that's just not fair to the loyalist of that class. Yeah. Yep. I I totally agree with that. Um Yeah. I mean, like it's you hit the nail on the head with that one. I knew, I knew you were coming from a place of of uh, pure passion when you brought that up because I knew you were going to bring up chain. And I, I mean, yeah, I agree yeah. though. I mean, like I, 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 I think no matter what, there should be some sort of shadow shadow style um, 
shadow style to be played in a format. Like there should be, um, like, um, I mean, anything, for example, right? Like now you don't have any light illusionist cards, right? Like you don't have uh, all this stuff that was already in the format. And like you essentially just banned an entire everything, you know, for the time being until you maybe come out with a living legend format, which I mean, like, okay, but it's one of those things. I feel like living legend, like, Unless they start reprinting cards like crazy, that's going to be a format that's kind of like vintage or legacy for Magic terms, right? Like, yeah, sure, the diehard fans have those decks because they own those cards. But if I'm a new player getting in, I don't want a calling to be living legend format unless the cards are, you know, cheap and super available. Because why would I want to build a Bravo Star of the Show deck to compete at a calling (laughs) <laughs> you know that I can't use these cards really in anything else. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I know exactly. I would want to make that investment just for that one format. Um, so not yet in the game, at least. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, not yet. I think you need to wait a few more years before you do anything I, like that. I definitely think like we should just be like, yeah, here's a new Shadow Room Blade. Maybe he's you know obviously not going to be as broken as chain was with his hero ability but he does something cool maybe he focuses more on the arcane damage side of the of the blood debt shadow room blade cards because there's a lot of cards that deal with arcane damage that changes didn't really use um, yeah so yeah stuff like that for Happy sure to see that yeah same let's talk about nationals because you know we got that what in three weeks yeah um and three weeks all jesus kind of- christ Links up to the living legend, Prism being gone, Nationals meta. How's that? How does that affect this? We have right? we we have our first we have our first time since March of last year where Prism doesn't exist. That's really weird to me, right? Like Prism, as Chain was, has been all has since everybody started in Monarch. Ninety percent of the players started in Monarch, right? Like a lot of them did, yeah. A, lot a, of the a did. huge, a huge percentage, and so Prism's been around as long as we've been around, and that was always one of those decks that was just like, you know, fuck. How do you beat Prism? And <laughs> yeah, right. This is this is the first meta right now without Prism, and my question to you is. Do you think it opens up the format at all? Or do you think it's just the same as far as gatekeeping goes? I, I feel like one gatekeeper walks in, one gate, gatekeeper walks out, another walks in, right? It's like. Or two walk in. Or two. <laughs> and basically, it's like opens up the meta, sure, but Briar is still crazy with channel mount and oldham targeting briar will keep decks from trying to target briar <laughs> yeah and there's um, i i agree and th- those are, those are the two most polarizing decks right now i think given prism's gone away right so mm. so for nationals meta we were like okay oldham's really good briar's really good yeah maybe uh and then you kind of think about me yeah maybe dorinthia or lexi come back and you know start taking down the briars wait a minute their worst matchup is Oldham. They yeah. can't. Beat, <laughs> they just straight up can't beat that. And um, it, put my head through a wall every time. Yeah, and just kind of makes it where it's like, yeah, it opens up the meta a little bit. 
where now I think more than Oldham that will be on the rise. I think it really just opens it up for more of Bravo star, the sh- uh, sorry, Bravo show star stopper to come in. And that's going to be the main deck that people are like, I'm going to play guardian so I can be the best of both worlds of aggression with disruption and uh, defense. Yep. I agree. So then I, so I really think more impactful than Prism being living legend for Oldham. I think it's actually way more impactful for Briar. I, I'm sorry for Bravo. Also impactful for Briar. Okay. But now the question is, do for Nationals meta, do you want to play Briar, the deck that has a big target on its back? Can these Briar decks adapt to beat decks with with this huge target on its back, or can is it better just to play the deck that beats Briar, or is it better to play an off-meta deck that's trying to beat the decks that beat Briar, like Dromai? Yeah. You know, and that's something that in other card games, and even, you know, rotating into this one, it's like, do you play the best deck, or do you play the deck that beats the best deck? Exactly. And right now, in my opinion, the deck that beats the best deck, its worst matchup doesn't exist anymore. Being Oldham. I think Oldham has a really good chance in a Briar. So, right now, right, right now, like, it's kind of those... Or do you... Or do you play the deck that has good matchups into both of those? That's not those two decks. And so, like, you, you, you're left with this really weird triangle to try to figure out. And it's just, it, you, exactly. you, ne- you never know. Like, you just never know. Like, you'll, you have that mentality going into every big tournament. And then it sometimes always doesn't pan out. You know, we had that, we had that um, specific thing when, when I played Yu-Gi-Oh! And we were... We were talking about it, and one of our one of the you know kids who who we play tested with a lot. We were like, you know, we're just gonna play the deck that beats the best deck, and he ended up winning nationals with it. Two thousand people, you know, and just yeah. did it. And we were like, okay, well, that was that was it. Like that was our aha moment. And so going into every bigger tournament, that's what we all as a team ask ourselves: What do we think the best deck is? What do we think the best deck to beat the best deck is? Is there a deck that actually has a decent matchup in the both of those decks? And then we kind of have to weigh options from there and kind of playtest a crap ton, honestly, and and come up with some sort of you know resolution to why you would bring all three of those choices and then come up with a choice afterwards, right? So or like in this case, right, Briar and Oldham. What has a good matchup into Briar and Oldham? It's Bravo, right? Bravo uh, has. I think Bravo and I think Viscerai have the two good matchups in the both of them. Exactly, and then it's yeah. like. Then you have to ask yourself, what am I losing to on those decks, and is it worth it to bring those decks? Because what's my likelihood if I'm playing Viscerai, right? If I see Kano, <laughs> it's not fun, yeah, because <laughs> your deck's very blue hungry. So then it's like, what are the odds I see Kano? If you're playing Bravo, something like Dromai could come up and just like really you know, bite you in the ass, and then you're like, okay, well, how many Dromai do I expect to see, or can I build my deck to beat that? Yeah. And uh, it just kind of, like you said, creates this fun format. Like what we saw at New Zealand Nationals last year, where it's like Briar was the target. Um, people brought Guardian to beat Briar. And then the guy who brought Prism won. Yeah. <laughs> he won the whole thing. That that's, he... that's that third outlier that we were talking about, right? Like, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, that's literally prime example of what I just said. So I agree. 
I mean, like, you never know either. <laughs> never know. Ugh. And I'm sure that guy, he won on Prism, but there's also Prism players who registered that tournament that saw three Briars in a row and just were knocked out of the water as soon as they started. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so, card game still, there's some variance, there's some luck involved. Yep. Um, side note, though, Icelander, I think, would be a tier 1.5 deck if Belittle was banned. What do you think? Oh, Belittle, Belittle opens up so much for a lot of decks. And just having that guaranteed blue, like, just Dude. to just to have more mana, like, to increase your mana curve against the Icelander deck is just kind of nuts. If it, yeah, I, I agree. I, if if Belittle didn't, what you know, was banned, we might see very skilled Icelander players go deep, deep in the tournaments if Belittle didn't exist. I, a hundred percent agree. Right now, I'm playing a Viscerai deck with Belittle, and I played through like two Channel Lake Frigid turns against the Icelander. Played through a Hypothermia because I was like, okay, gave me Hypothermia. Well, Belittle's gonna search his Middle Wisdom Spellbound Creepers. I'm gonna go in anyway. Um, so it just kind of like. Against those decks like Briar and stuff like that that needs that extra card and they're like, oh my god, this hand would be so good if I just had a blue and I didn't have to pay for this Frostbite. It, it just makes that so much better, even with Fi, right? Fi just goes... Icelander, I think, has one of the better matches into Fi because one Frostbite can legitimately just turn off a turn. Yeah, that's Very happened easily, to me multiple but... times and I want to put my head through a wall. Exactly, but if you but they have belittle and you're just like give you a frostbite and you've already pitched a red, so I know like this is gonna go through, and they just go belittle. It's like okay, well, <laughs> what can you do? Or um, you know, you have one disruption of a frostbite and you're like I'm gonna winter's bite them, and then they're just like yeah, I'm just gonna belittle, and then I still have one floating and my phoenix flame to have two mana, <laughs> like. Yeah. If that card didn't exist, I think Icelander is super good into the aggro decks and super good into the Guardians. And then it can play combo into them, it, it disrupted plan into the into the aggro decks, and I think it could actually be very well balanced. But Little's here, so I think I'm going to put Icelander Tier 2 um, going into Nat's meta. I think sure. it can win a smaller one, but I think the aggro decks just have a slight edge on it right now. Yep. A lot of people are going to have a plan for that in the bigger tournaments, right? And so, um, like you said, you'll see, you'll see it in the smaller That's out of the bag, too. That's out of oh, the bag, too. Sure. I, for sure. People, people know Icelander's a deck. I think everyone's going to be rocking at least AB2, AB3. It's not going to get any free wins. I think we're finally out of the flesh and blood meta where people rock zero AB. I think you just can't do it anymore. You're kind of forced to at this point. Yeah, you're, it's too greedy. Um, Weirdly enough... I think a, a sleeper deck for this upcoming Nationals format is Dromai. As crazy as it sounds. I think that, you know, it didn't get a lot of light. It, it, you would see, like, one in, like, the the last, you know, the top tables for a little while, and then it would make, like, top 16, right? And then yeah, exactly. you'd see, like, one at, like, a battle hardened with, like, the first week. And then now you go on, here we are, go on Flesh and Blood Online, and like you shout pointed out, out right the, before this tournament, yeah, shout out to to get, getting to see like the different matches and stuff, right? Yeah, it gives you shout some out sort to of, the guy who at the Calling Singapore, you know, was XO and CC, but just kind of, you know, got a little unlucky in draft. And then the guy in the Pro Tour who was, you know, X4 with Briar. I mean, sorry, getting all the names mixed up tonight. Uh, X4 with Dromai. 
just yeah. one away from topping. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think that deck is uh sneaky good, especially if yeah. you know how to play the deck. Um, you know, we, we've been, we've been theorizing with it a little bit and trying to figure out exactly how to play it and how to beat it. And, and I th- think that deck has something that a lot of people don't fully grasp yet. And going into our meta discussion and everything, it's like, if you, right now, I played a couple Dromides in my Viscerai deck, just absolutely curb stomping them. So it's like, going back into our discussion, you can either build your deck to beat Viscerai, and you know, that, or you can just be like, what's my percentage of seeing Viscerai? Maybe in a couple weeks, you know, people hop off Viscerai, and then you just see people just playing a better Briar deck, and you're like, I can beat that. I can't beat Viscerai, so if I see one, I'll take that as my loss, right? Or if I see one or two, that's fine. But other than that, I'm good. Yeah, I'm gonna beat everything else. Yeah, just hope to dodge. So that's that's another deck and another fun part about this national season coming up is finding, you know, what side of the meta do you want to be on? Yep, for sure. Do you think there's any sort of untapped um, deck strategy that anybody's come up with? Like, do you think there's something out there looming that people are waiting for nationals? Like kind of kind of like the the Matt Folks but little Briar deck like not many people really played knew about that or played it you know like they you had to build your deck around it around yeah. a little oh. in that in that specific deck so do you think there's something that somebody else could play like I mean, engine wise or something I mean it's just how you want to build it, it's weird because Flesh and Blood it's like one or two cards can completely change a deck right. But yeah. the other thing is this, that Flesh and Blood's also a game of a card pool so small that pretty much every competitive player who wants to, like, is, like, trying to gun for Nats knows pretty much every card in the game. Because, you yep. know, like, there's only X amount of sets out. It's not very hard to go, I want to play Viscerai. Here's every Runeblade card I can play. Here's every generic card I can play. What's the best deck I can make, right? Yeah. That's kind of, like where you have to like go and um do a little soul searching for yourself and just figure out what you're trying to do i feel like there could be a lot of crazy decks that could come out i just don't know um maybe someone finds a disruption oldham deck like we saw at the uh battle heart harden in new zealand where it was like you know the the biting gale into the um Insidious Chill. Insidious Chill. Yeah. Like that combo is crazy. So you don't know what's going to come out. We don't know if we're going to see more disruptive Oldhams, more defensive Oldhams, more Mm -hmm. disruptive Bravos, more defensive Bravos. Um, For all we know, like a deck that could be coming out is like some kind of like Turtle Fi deck. You know, maybe like with Flick Flacks and defense reactions (laughs) for Guardian. And then like, you know, just aggro into everything else and my brother in christ you're just memeing at this point <laughs> oh man what do you mean that that's just, you're just nah. playing katsu nah i think you just play katsu if you're gonna do that but you get what i'm saying like i know exa- i know card- exactly what you mean though card pulls out there um tremor and razor can change the whole chain deck uh <laughs> this round on me and yellow snatch and belittle can change the whole briar deck it's just a couple cards difference is all you need so Overload I'm definitely, deck. I'm definitely, exactly. I'm definitely excited to see what comes out. 
I want to see this innovation. I need I need more I need more shit like that. That'd be nice. Um, You're seeing it every night when I play. That's very true. Um, <laughs> I guess what 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 are we what do we think nationals will look like as far as um, a metagame percentage? What do you think the community will all sort of agree on, and what we'll what we'll see? I, I think obviously, like I said, the the most two play decks will be Old Briar. But um, what else do you think in percentage wise that we'll see? I don't know, to be honest with you, right? That's kind of one of those things that's hard to say, because I do think there are a lot of good Oldham and, you know, diehard Guardian fans out there. For example, if I'm, you know, a Prism player looking for a new deck, I am not hopping on Oldham, most likely, right? Yeah. And I feel like me as an aggro player, let me tell you, I don't mind the playstyle Oldham problem is that i don't want that mental strain i don't want that worrying about going to time i don't like playing control necessarily um i like playing it in sealed in blitz because you can actually fatigue out your opponent super easy but in cc that's a whole different story um so i'm personally even if i think oldham's well positioned i rather be on the meta of i'm gonna beat oldham right yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that that's, and i feel like People might agree Oldham's very good. This is a very good deck. Um, but I think more people will try to beat Oldham than actually play Oldham. And, um, like, if you told me, I think there would be... It's more likely that Briar will evolve to beat Oldham and to beat the deck that's targeting her. But I think Briar's going to be a very part of this um, meta share. I think uh, Oldham's going to be a good part of this meta share. I think Bravo could be above Oldham in the meta share because I think people are going to go, okay, I need to disrupt Briar. Um, what a lot of people don't do, which is if you're watching this and you want to go to Nats, is if you have that Matt, uh, that Matthew folks belittle deck, you got to understand. If you play Bravo into that and keep changing your Bravo deck to beat that, but you don't change that Briar deck to beat the Bravo deck, you aren't getting good testing in. Not at all. Because because you have to realize that that deck's going to evolve too. So what you need is a good Briar player trying to beat you and beat its other matchups to get equivalent testing. So there might be some people out there who just throw, you know, a super disruptive pummel heavy Bravo deck inside the little deck and be like, oh yeah, I can easily beat this. Yeah. Not thinking that, oh yeah, Briar's adapted to defense reactions and all this and many ways to beat you. Yeah. And they just don't expect it, and then they get blown out, but they thought that they had a super good matchup into Briar, but they don't realize that was last month's Briar. This is new Briar. <laughs> so, um, just for people testing, I, I can't tell you the exact meta share. I don't know it, but I'm just going to say this. Keep your testing open, and if you are playing a Sarai deck or Bravo deck or Oldham deck, make sure you're playing against someone who's playing against uh you're playing against a briar player who's actively updating their deck and actively changing it don't just tell your friend yeah play the matthew folks little deck and run it into me and i'm gonna beat the shit out of it that's not gonna work in a month that nope. deck is changing that deck i guarantee you matthew folks if he's once he gets back from his vacation and everything he's probably already has five ten plans to change that deck that's the deck he plans to bring in for uk nationals yeah for so. sure for sure Wow, you're just full of knowledge, Sebastian. Jesus Christ. 
Um, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head with just how it's probably going to end up going. I think uh, I think Bravo is kind of one of those decks that just uh, might just put it in you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, obviously, now that we're done with you know. Now, now that we're three weeks away from nationals, kind of, we've kind of got an understanding of um, what we think, at least we're going to be looking at as far as um, format and you know, just our thoughts on all that. Um, you know, going after nationals, we have worlds, but I want to talk about dynasty because it any 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 hour now it seems like Fab is going to give us some sort of information on dynasty, and we just saw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead. I do believe that Dynasty's coming out like the same weekend as Worlds or something, or the weekend after that, right? Because I believe Worlds is actually going to be Uprising format. Uh, yeah, I, I I believe that might be the case too. Um, uh, because the calling San Jose said this is your last chance to play competitive Uprising format CC. So that, that was interesting. I thought that they were going to release it before Worlds and kind of do a shakeup, but turns out they're not. They're going to release it after. Jeez, I hope so. I don't want. I it'd be neat to see worlds being something brand new, but um, but at the same time, not really. But um, yeah. what are you looking for out of Dynasty? What uh, I I know one thing I want. Um, I want a playable fabled. What do you? That's right. what I want out of Dynasty, like a generic good fabled card. All right. So his name's Bane. He's bound by Shadow. All right, but he's not Chain. He's Bane. Bane, okay. Is he going to have the face mask and everything? Yeah, exactly. He's just chained with the Bane face mask on, and that's his only change. Um, same hero ability, same text, everything. I can play Seeds because he's Bane. Not Chain, he's Bane. And um, <laughs> yeah, that that's it. I already told yeah, you what's but... going to happen. They're going to give us they're going to give us Viscerai bound by shadows. It's going to be a shadow Viscerai. It's going to have the same effect as Viscerai and also the same effect as Chain. And you're, they're going to give us Mordred tie that can be played from the banished. And yeah. here we are. It will be banned in a month. <laughs> It'll be banned in two weeks. <laughs> but yeah, yeah you so. know what? I will go around the globe and travel to, you know, oh, there's a battle harden in Canada. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go spike a <laughs> tournament with a uh, shadow viscerai that can play Mordred tide from the banished real quick. <laughs> Imagine seeds of agony and Mordred tide. <laughs> yeah. Mordred tide, uh, eight seeds, rift bind, um, 40 Game? arcane and, um, <laughs> 13 damage. Oh man, just imagine. But yeah, I really would like a fl- a playable fabled that like kind of like Heart and I have a video. Give us something else sort of like that, right? Like um something that more people can kind of tech that one card for their deck. Maybe it could help previous decks and existing decks and then also, you know, maybe it can help um a deck that just came out in in Dynasty as well. Cuz we we as we know, we just saw the the Emperor Hero get announced at uh at World or whoa Pro Tour Lil, and it's a what is it? It's a Royal Draconic, Royal Draconic Warrior Wizard. Wizard, yeah, that Wizard Warrior, and so um, it, it looks to it looks to me that we're gonna more than likely get a whole bunch of classes and get a whole bunch of new um new talents be intertwined together, which is pretty neat. Um. um. What I'm hoping for out of Dynasty is, like, if I can't get a Shadow Runeblade, just give me a Shadow Hero that's good, that plays like a Shadow Hero should, and um, you know, doesn't have 
a blank hero effect that just says die to blood debt. Uh, <laughs> Duma. You know, Duma, exactly. <laughs> um, like, I would take Illusion of Shadow. I take, you know, it's funny. The I almost said to myself, the only thing I wouldn't take is Brute Shadow, but that, that, because it already exists and it's awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, but any other hero Shadow version, I'll take. Ninja Shadow, that'd be cool. Wizard Shadow, like yeah, I'll just I'll Shadow Dorinthia. You get blood debt reprise cards, brother. Tell me. Actually, you know what? You know what I want from Dynasty. This is the only thing I want from Dynasty. I don't care about anything else. Give me a red and a blue run through, and I'll play Dorinthia. That's it, brother. That's Everyone will. Yeah. Everyone will yeah. also have sink below and unmovable and fate for seeing their sideboard. To, now, to talk about a that. polarizing hero at that point. Oh my god. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. Overall, for Dynasty, I don't want another Everfest. That is the main thing I want to talk about. Is like we were never going set... back to Everfest. Let's be honest. Yeah, fuck Everfest. <laughs> fuck you know. Um, C word star of the show. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna go that far, but uh. I I hate that hero. He was like the worst thing for the game. That was the only time in the game. Uh, Kyle remembers very vividly where I'm like, I'm not enjoying myself here. Like I was at Indie. I'm like, this isn't fun. Like, no, it I'm really wasn't. Huge, we were at this huge tournament talking to people. Everyone was so upset. Everyone wasn't having fun. Like, sure, I was with my friends. We went to Fogo de Chao. Like, it was a good experience overall. But like playing the game was the worst part about Indie. My favorite thing to say about Indy is the only people who had fun at Indy were the people who top date the calling and top date the battle hardened. <laughs> Those are the only people who had fun at Indy. Everyone else just was like, fuck Everyone it. else was miserable. Exactly. And it, um, and it wasn't close. <laughs> yeah. And um, basically, whatever hero they release into CC, whether it's one hero, two hero, I don't care. If they release a hero to or into CC, let them have good effects. Let them shake up the meta. Don't let them polarize the meta. Like that's um this kind of goes into that design philosophy at um Oh, sorry, that's the next thing. We're gonna talk about design philosophy, but like <laughs> basically uprising heroes. I love the design of uprising heroes. Oh, I, they're very balanced. Like obviously Stubby Hammers was a card for Phi, and like sure, but that's that's not Phi, that's that's strictly Stubby. I think the thing is it, they knew that. They knew about it happening. That's why they banned it in Blitz, because they knew that was going to happen. But they just wanted to see how it rolls for a format, right? They're just like, sure. fuck it, you know? Um, but, like, overall, Fi, super balanced and, you know, fun hero. I think he's a good hero. And especially if we see all these aggro decks keep on rotating out, I think he will be eventually the best aggro deck, right? Um, if not, he was the best aggro deck for a certain point. Then you have, like, Jeromai doing some really cool things, super well-balanced. All her cards are really good. Most of them are really good in a really unique way to play the game. Then you have Icelander, same thing. You know, it's good, but it's balanced. Unique way to play the game, super great for the game. And I feel like these heroes were so well-designed. The set was well-designed for uh, CC, not for draft. Um, it was just so well-designed. And... That's what I want the next hero to be like. Okay, yeah, if it's a Draconic or whatever it is, Shadow, and it has some support attached to it, make the support good. Make it a fun, cool hero to play with that is like, you know, make it tier 1, tier 1.5. Make it like in the meta contenders, kind of like how we have this open meta where almost any hero can play it. I want it to be played, but I don't want it to be Bravo Star of the Show where it's like one deck format and I hate my life again. 
Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I just give me give me balance. Give me something where you know all sorts of decks are going to be able to compete with all other sorts of decks, and um, for the most part, and um, keep it healthy. If we keep it healthy, yeah. then like the OP stuff, the OP stuff will obviously get better. And then, or get, the way, phase, phase out, and then the other decks will get better, and we'll, we'll actually have some sort of balance. Don't don't make a blitz set and then print Revel. <laughs> I'll never forget the first time I got Reveled in the Hong Kong show match. I, I was like, I I just didn't even I just didn't even know that card existed at the time. And I'm like, all right, cool. Well, all he can do is Rosetta Thor me, and I live, and I can just kill him on this turn. Or I remember you sitting beside me, and you were like. I mean, yeah, like, you're good. And I'm like, all right, cool, block this way. And he's like, ah, oh, revel in room blood. I was like, what the fuck is this card? I read it, and I'm like, that's not fair. Oh, <laughs> he kills I have, me on exact. I have six arcane coming at me. That's insane. <laughs> in chain, or in viscerai, where it literally just killed a whole blitz season. Sheesh. Sheesh. <laughs> um, Got one more th- question. What are your thoughts on the set designs, though? Um, do you like do, do you do you think it should be three or four he- three or four heroes? Because I see a heroes. lot of back and forth on this. Four heroes, better draft experience um, overall. Uh, you know, I'm on the boat where I love WTR draft. I love Monarch draft. I actually I like really liked. I really liked WTR draft. I only did it a few yeah. times for the farewell to Wraith, but that was. Probably some of the f- my f- most fun flesh and blood I've ever played. Because oh, yeah, I mean, 100%. playing Katsu was really fun. Playing Dory was really fun, and every deck was you know you could do something with it. It was very balanced. And then I felt Monarch... like in, in those drafts you can pick a lane too. You know, like yeah, <laughs> you can you can go okay. Well, I'm I'm sitting on the right side of the table to build this busted Levia deck, right? great you can build that and even though that's a not the best hero in cc or whatever like it's still a fair and balanced draft and into the three hero format set is uh i'm gonna say i've never drafted arc but i heard that draft isn't great but i'm gonna put this uh i drafted low arc. arc i wanted to put my head through a wall uh, i i haven't drafted arc but i'm gonna put it below arc <laughs> I, I, you know what? I can kind of, I can probably kind of agree. My only, my one arc experience was that one day at Gigabytes, um, where we, you, you, you did draft it, but like we, we left right after oh, round one. Um, yeah, yeah, we did I got, one I got, yeah. um, the guy to my left took every single arcane barrier he saw, and I never <laughs> got to see any arcane barrier. And my round one opponent played four red Voltic bolts in a row. Hey man, get good. <laughs> like i'm done we're going to eat i don't care <laughs> i don't want to play this game so yeah that was my one and only experience with arc uh arc draft and that's the end of that um i can anyway, i can up- definitely uprising still worse <laughs> i think i think uprising's probably worse the only reason i think tails is actually not awful was because you could you could stay open and choose different elements and then choose your hero so like it added an extra layer on top of it where it also just didn't feel like it was three heroes kind of right um which i thought i thought the dynamic of tails was really nice i that to me that's probably my second favorite draft format i enjoyed drafting that set um Uh, i would say that probably 
plan to rate my draft experiences, it probably would be like Tails WTR. And I don't know what to put which one over the other. I'm going to put Tails over WTR because I was fairly good at Tails and I liked how the format shaped up. And, um, you know, I feel like, like you said, even though there was only Briar, Oldham, Lexi, uh, you could pick Ice, and you would not be locked into one hero yet. And then you can see, okay, well, I picked Ice. Uh, okay, well, I see a lot of Earth cards coming to towards me. So now I can go Ice Earth into this uh, good Oldham deck. Yeah. Or you're like, I see a lot of Lightning cards coming towards me. Okay, well, now I can pivot into this really good Lexi deck. Um, And that just, it was so fun. There were so many cool elements of Tales, like, you know, people undervalue just drafting blues in the pack one like earth yep. blues and that's what i would do i would draft earth blues pack one maybe good defense reactions and then i'd just be like all right and then pack three that when they're all trying to scramble for their blues i'd just be like good card finish out my deck good card finish out my deck good card finish out my deck thank you very much <laughs> yeah and um yeah so there's a lot of skill to that draft and it was very fun and i feel like if they do do three heroes again, you have to have all three heroes share the same talent, like one talent for all three heroes, or you have to do what Tails did, you know, three talents, but they each share one of the talents. Here, um, okay, I have a bold, bold prediction. I have a, I'm cutting you off. Bold prediction. I can't, I can't no, lose this thought. So they just showed us Royal Draconic Warrior Wizard. Wizard Warrior. So what if... What if they make this entire dynasty set? And this is just this is just spitballing an idea. What if they make this entire set a warrior class, but they I, I, they have an a, a different secondary class that they're representing? Right? You see what I'm saying? So you're able to have warrior cards that you can draft, but you can also draft another. Type. Like you have, you have wizard warrior, so you can you can draft the wizard and the warrior sub. Or then on top of that, you have um, ninja warrior. Shout out to the show Ninja Warrior. Um, and so you have like ninja and warrior you can draft in the deck. May, I, I'm just spitballing ideas here, but like that oh, could yeah. be something that kind of mimics Tales of Aria in that way and still has some sort of um, extra layer of draft. Yeah, and it either is like you have four heroes and you have like. No, maybe four classes. I mean, four uh, like three talents or something, or two talents in four classes, right? Or yeah, uh, like two of two talents. Like I, I kind of like the idea of what you're saying, where you're like, yeah, it's a you know whatever the talent is, like shadow draconic whatever warrior wizard. It's a shadow draconic, <laughs> you know, and then that way it makes a super unique draft because you can have one hero that's shadow, and then you have that's a shadow, you know, you know ninja mm -hmm. ninja brute. <laughs> ninja yeah. brute. And then, and then mm -hmm. you have another one that's a shadow, but it's a warrior wizard, so it can share the shadow cards but it can't share the wizard or the warrior cards or maybe you give them one sharing thing maybe it's a shadow warrior and then like you know um a brute warrior something like that and like like you said there's a lot of ways you can explore that which i would be down for but i think the heroes need to share classes or talents or something if it's going to be three hero because there's just not enough by the way also bring it back to 15 cards please this fucking 14 cards a pack shit 
Awful. I agree. I agree. It makes my head hurt a little bit thinking about it. Just yeah. because, like, uh, margin of error is, like, went down quite a bit in percentage uh, because of that specific reason. Yeah. So, uh, um, do you remember the first draft we did? I, I counted all my cards. I'm like, I'm, I'm missing three cards. Wait, 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 wait. Everyone count the cards. I'm missing three cards. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I, I, that was cards. when we did that first video, right? With Alex or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I or think. something. One of the yeah. ones that are locals. Yeah, like, I'm we were, I was like, "Shit, we we've done messed up the draft. This is not good." And uh, <laughs> and come to find out, we looked at the pack, and everybody's like, "Yeah, it's less card." We're like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no, oh no, math is hard." <laughs> oh, so, so yeah. Um, man, we have three weeks till nationals. I really just didn't even think about that. Yeah. Good God. We've got our testing cut out for us. I think you and I uh, are onto something. So um, we're gonna bring it to the team. We're gonna we're gonna w- once they get back because they all get back on Monday, right? So once they all get back, I think they it's time to grind. It's time to get you know it's time to get there. So because yeah, obviously sure. obviously I'm I'm gonna bring up another question real quick just because shout outs to my team. You know, shout outs to your team. Shout outs to our team, Sebastian, uh, the card guys. If anybody didn't know. Um, one of our patrons, Mr. Outrun, asked a question um, last night, 7.58 p.m. at Missing Triggers Podcast. What does the Card Guys team need to do differently when prepping for nationals to put up better results as a team? Afterwards, he said no shade. But no, I think that question needs to be brought up because of the fact that... And, and, and I had this conversation with Nam, and I think... I think they wasted a lot of time playing CSGO. I'm going to go ahead and say it straight up. Because they would <laughs> test a couple games, and then you'd find all three of those fuckers just on on CSGO. And I'm like, I get that's a way to wind down, but going into Lil, and you're spending thousands of dollars to stay there for almost two weeks and go do a lot of stuff afterwards, too. Like, you're, you're traveling for a tournament, right? Like, you got your PTI, or you have a way of qualifying qualifying for this tournament and you you pull the trigger and you're going to go that should be where all your attention goes if you were if and, and like for you and I for example could we have been a little better about you know wanting to test with them sure i get that but also you and i had our own stuff going on but if you're going to a tournament and it's a big t- it's it's the second biggest tournament this game's seen so far right we we haven't had worlds yet and so when 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 you're on the professional tour you need to test like you are getting paid to do so because you yeah. want to go and you want to place and i think when you're not putting most of your time and effort into that you're not going to see the results and and here here we go again i mean like obviously they didn't do well on the pro tour josh did the best going i think 8-6 and he got like 81st place um Nathan ended up day twoing the calling at seven one, which is a very which is really good. Don't get me wrong, that's insane. Like we all know how good Nathan is. He he overall went X three. I think he got like seventeenth place. Yeah, he so he, he got seven well. he got seventeenth. He lost his first two rounds and then one out uh, for day two. So, but I think I think putting in that extra little time, especially for a tournament that caliber, all oh, your time uh, another- needs to be. Go ahead. Another thing I want to say is, um, and like, like I said, I'm going to keep this general. Um, 
people who are playing in Pro Tours or Worlds even, my advice is if you go X3 day one, right? Or X4 if it's in Worlds standards or something like that, whatever. You make day two, but you just barely made day two. Play the rest of the tournament out. Don't drop for the calling because you're way more likely to 7-0 day two and two people get your PTI. Yeah, we, I mean, we saw uh, Michael Fang and Cody um, Williams. Cody Williams do it. Yeah, got they both PTI, went X4. Got, got paid out, got their PTI, like just rolling, you know. And it's way easier to do that than to 11 to a calling or 12 3 a call. You know, like it's yeah. way easier to just go 7 0. Yeah. Um, Agree. So just, you know, if you're ever in that situation where you're like, oh, I can't top eight the Pro Tour or I can't top eight Worlds. Well, buddy, if you get top 16 at Worlds, that's still pretty fucking good. That's incredible. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> most of this community would kill to, to top 16 Worlds or top 16 a Pro Tour, you know? Like, so don't don't count yourself out just because you, you know, X3 day one. That's that's what I have to say. If you make yeah. day two, play day two out. Just do it for the experience. Do it for the ELO. Do it for the, you know, you got to play day two at your first, you know, whether it's your third Pro Tour by Pro Tour 3 runs around or it's your, you know, first one. And if you're at Worlds and you X4 day one and they let everyone who X4 is day two, but you know you can't really make it, you just go, hey, I day two Worlds. I'm happy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm here. Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, I, th- I think, I think everybody's, you know, from, from our side of everything, I think everybody's gonna use, use Pro Tour Lil as a motivator for Nationals. And going into worlds, right? So, um, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's a wake up call for everyone. I hope when they get back on Monday, you know, Tuesday we hit the ground running. So basically, and, to, I guess to answer the question is, stick to your guns and never stop testing. Actually, Even, I'm gonna say it. That's perfect. Freaking don't pivot last second. You, me, and uh, Alex last year at nationals uh, was on the bad end of that, and then Alex kept going in the pro tour was prism 100 percent until two days, three days before, and tried to play Brian and have a good time. Stick to what you know, and grind out games with it because you're going to be rewarded for your experience, not for 100%. a medical most of the time. But if if you're if you're a very good pilot of a certain deck that has a percentage in the meta, don't steer away from that. And, and here's the thing: like nationals coming up, right? If you are a good Visrai player, but you don't think Visrai can go better than X3 and CC, you're like, yeah, there's eight CC rounds. I don't know if I can do better than five three. Still play Visrai because there's that chance that you do what Pablo Pintor did and you just. 3-0 both your draft pods, and then you go X3 and CC, which is yep. still a good record in a Pro Tour, and get that top 8. And, you know, or because you know the deck, you go 2-1 and CC, 3-0-1 pod, then you take the load off yourself, and you can go you know, 6-2 in CC. And then you just, you know, squeeze your way into top 8. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. That's what you need to do. Put your head down and test. Don't Don't get lazy. Um, cause if you get lazy, that's when, that's when you fuck up. That's when you fuck up hardcore. Oh, don't ever feel confident too. never feel confident until, you know, you're, you're there playing, right. Then you can yeah. feel confident. Cause you're like, I'm, 
you know, you it, then you boost yourself up. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fi- yeah I, I mean, like you have you have to get in that mentality. You have to go in there I and be have- like, "I'm the shit. This is what's happening." I'm like, I. It, this this may be a little too cocky, but like what we what I used to tell the players in other card games when I used to play and like I would run those teams and stuff, and when I was like mentoring a couple of younger people who who ended up doing very well later on in their career for like certain card games, um, I always tell them you know when you're sitting down in front of someone like for just for example if I sit down and I'm like I'm playing against Tark Patel just just the, obviously the national champion right like that's who that's who it would be right. I don't want to go. I don't want my mentality going to that match being on the back foot because I'm intimidated by who the person is. I'm going to that match every single time thinking I'm the better player and this I, I'm going to win this game. I'm going to do my best to to play my best and win this game, and he's going to have respect for me after I beat him. That it don't. I don't give a shit who the fuck your opponent is. Like that's that needs to be your mentality every single time. You also. For the most part, I, there, there, there's exception to this, but you need to always assume that your opponent knows everything. You need to play to all your outs and and everything like that. If you slack up once, you're going to get got. So exactly. like, you just and need to be on your p's and q's for that. And the Psych other yourself. thing is, if you if you take an early loss or you know you take a loss and you're not knocked out yet, you know you can still top eight, and you're like, man, I'm really feeling this, but I took this loss to some. You know, like, for example, if you're playing Briar in the <laughs> in Nationals coming up and you lose to Dorinthia, like round four or five, one of your early CC rounds, and you're like, I can't believe I just took a loss to Dorinthia because I didn't see my, you know, like a deck that or like Bolton or something like that, where this happened to me at Vegas, where I took a loss early round three to a deck. I'm like, I should have won that match. I misplayed. I did all this and it shouldn't have beat me. I played against this deck a hundred times. And then don't let that tilt you. Let that light a fire under you and yeah. just go all the way. I mean, and be like, can't drop a game. I told, I told you this. And I think we, I think we covered this in the first episode. Like yeah. you just need to make sure when you sit down, like I told you all the times, like you need to have the biggest cock in the room. Like as just blunt as that is like, let, yourself know that you you have to win one more each time right like that's that's your mentality i have to win one more in a row every single round and you just you buckle down and you let yourself know you have the biggest cock in the room and and then like nobody can beat you i mean you had the craziest streak of chain mirrors in vegas and i think that's all that was all accompanied obviously by skill obviously by your deck choice but that was your mentality going into those games right so if if you can keep that mindset going into those crucial games after you punt away a game that's where that's your resiliency is what's going to help push you through these later rounds in this tournament so um if anybody's listening, e- even if it's not the car guys, I- I'm going to have this conversation with them, even though it's coming from PTI, it's me. Um, I think uh, I think that's exactly how you're going to do well in the tournament, is your mindset. Get good sleep. Mindset. Get good sleep, mindset, stay testing. Um, while you're testing, don't think that your deck's comp- – don't be confident in your deck until you – know, Until you submit it. Until you submit it. That's that's what I would have to say. Like, at the last minute, you can hear some shit that totally changes your whole outlook. Shout out to Pro Tour One. <laughs> you oh, know, God, like yeah. last minute, you can hear something that totally changes your outlook on the whole meta and everything. So always, you know, like you said, don't be confident till your deck's fully submitted. If you have an idea for a deck, 
for a card in the deck, test it. Don't ask somebody. And then don't write it off because they said it they don't think is that good. Test it for yourself. Come to your own conclusions. Because at the end of the day, Yellow Belittle is a really good card. Right, Sebastian? I'm playing it. <laughs> well, I think, that's, I think that's going to be it for us tonight. We're, we've gone for an hour and a half. This is a really good episode, and I had a lot of fun talking and everything tonight. I did too, man. Um, you know, takeaways from everything. Fucking, we'll be back same time next week, I think. <laughs> so, um, yep. if I see you at Nationals and you smell, I will let you know. Um, if you don't come to if you come to nationals, and I see some yellow gunk on your teeth. I'm gonna ask you to go. I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a toothbrush. Okay, a portable to- a little toothbrush, and I'm gonna say go brush your teeth. If you smell, I'm gonna spray you with Febreze. Actually, I'm probably not gonna do that because it might be against TOS of just everything with flesh and blood because of that magic guy that one time that that took pictures <laughs> with butt cracks. I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to see if I can get approved to do this. Um, you know, and, and when you take a shit, you know, wipe yourself. Make sure you're clean. Because you're sitting in your own shit and you're gonna and you're gonna radiate a little bit of, you know, gunk. You know what I'm saying? So like we don't <laughs> want none of that. And you know, shout out shout out to my smelly people because y'all need Jesus and y'all need y'all y'all need my Lord and Savior dial soap. All right. Like figure yourself out. But um any final words before we get the hell out of here, Sebastian? Oh man. You just let it rip. <laughs> let it rip. <laughs> awesome well again subscribe if you haven't already if you've stayed this long you're a fucking trooper i love every single one of you shout out to austin you know who you are and um if you guys you know have any extra money you want to shoot to us on patreon just to help us get some equipment that'd be cool too we love each and every one of you guys and we'll see you guys later peace and i gotta do man eating <laughs>